All right. So I believe we have talked enough about the history. Now it's time to analyze the record. Um, so let's, without further ado, get into L.A. Woman. So L.A. Woman, sixth studio album by The Doors, released in April 19th, 1971. Two days away from the recording of this podcast would be celebrating the 50th anniversary of this record. It just so happened that we landed on it. It was not planned, but hell, if you want to have your conspiracy theories out there, go for it. Uh, but by the time we actually release this, it'll probably be fucking late May. So just let's all calm down. <laughs> that, would be, that would be great because on May 27th, <laughs> on May 27th, 1971, uh, Robert Meltzer from the Rolling Stone released a great review of this album. I Oh, is that right? I don't know if either of you read it. Um, it's one of the since we've been doing this podcast, it's it's one of the uh, the reviews that I've I've uh, had a joy reading. Definitely look it up. We'll we'll put it in the show notes. He likes the album a lot. He says it, it might be the album of the year. But in the review, he still manages to talk a ton of shit. And then at the end, he says, "That being said, this is their greatest album in the album of the year." <laughs> so <laughs> you gotta love it. Yeah, you gotta love it. I mean, um, ultimately, uh, so Paul Rothschild walked out. Um, he called this uh, some of the early recordings cocktail music. Um, Robbie Krieger attributes it to his listening upon Riders in the Storm, but it was actually Lover Madly um, that he walked out and said, I can't do it anymore. You guys, this is boring. This is the first time I've ever been bored. You're on your own. Um, and Robbie Krieger wrote Love Her Madly, so maybe that's why he was like, no, it was Riders in the Storm. He said that too. Um, but whatever it was, Bruce Botnick, who had been their engineer pretty much all throughout their career was like, well, I'll, I'll produce it with you guys. And so there it was. And instead of going into some rock and roll studio, they actually recorded it in some workshop, which is essentially a house. Uh, Jim Morrison recorded pretty much all of the vocals in the bathroom and, uh, everyone was kind of squished into this one house, um, to do this one record. Didn't take that long for them to record. Um, I think it really like what, um, maybe a month if that barely, um, but yeah, that's came out. It has more of a, uh, stripped down blues sound, um, as, uh, Morrison hotel did. And for the most part, it was pretty well critically received four out of fives, a minuses, um, not a perfect record by any means. And we'll talk about it. And I think the critics really, uh, you know, could agree with that. And it has landed on a lot of greatest albums of all time lists and uh, it deserves its place. This is probably my favorite Doors record. That's kind of why I picked it. I think it's got a little something for everybody. And uh, yeah, we can go ahead and start talking about it unless you have anything else you want to add before we get into track by track. We'll take silence as consent. So away we go. So let's start with track one, The Changeling. I'm not 
That was The Changeling, uh, first track off of L.A. Woman. I believe um, got some things to say about it, but before, I, I just don't want to take any notes from anyone else um, because uh, all this is my show. So um, I'm going to start it out with uh, with Eric tonight. Um, Eric, lead us off. Changeling, what do you got? Oh, thank you. Thank you for the honor. Um, yeah, Changeling. Uh, so this is... Uh... A New Doors, like a lot of this album was surprising to me. Not that there wasn't blues in a lot of the doors I've heard before, but, um, you know, less of the psychedelic on this album for sure. Um, but, uh, one thing, and it happens in a few tracks on here, and maybe it's just because I'm a, you know, at my age, uh, I can't separate one thing from another, but, uh, from my, my pop culture, but some of these songs just sound like you're watching a movie and somebody's driving through, through LA, the, the streetlights are hitting the car, stars are in the sky. Um, well, you can't see stars in LA, but you, you get what I'm saying. Um, and this is one of those songs. Uh, and this is actually is a, is, is a highlight, not the highlight, but a highlight for me on this album. Um, it, it's really good. It's funky. Uh, Rob Krieger's got an absolute, uh, groove going on in this song. Um, and you know, of course the changeling is, is the, uh, changeling is like this creature comes from uh, Gaelic and Irish mythology. Uh, it's very similar to the doppelganger, um, where if you're, you have somebody in your family that's off, that has a problem, maybe a, back in the day, disability, uh, they would say that they were switched that yeah, a changeling. They're a changeling. They were switched when they were very young. And these, these, uh, these imps <laughs> switch them with, with, with this, with, with this person that's wrong. You know, my baby was perfect, but this is a changeling, which is dark and fucked up. But that's, that, that's where, that's where it comes from. And this song, um, doesn't really go that route with it, but kind of more talks about, uh, Morrison Morrison's taking the perspective um, that he can, uh, you know, in LA, he can kind of hang with a couple different lifestyles. He's like, he's living a dichotomy, right? I had money. I had none, but I've never been so broke. I could broke. I couldn't leave town, which is a great line. Great lyric. I love that. I'm a changeling. See me change. So it's, it's, it's that, that feeling like you have to, you have to turn it on for certain people. And that is one thing that did not, was not, as you said, Mark was not captured in the movie. He was always, uh, <laughs> as you said, um, possibly a special needs kid that also took acid, um, in that, in that, in that movie. Uh, and, uh, he, here he's saying, you know, he has to hobnob a little bit. Um, and LA is a weird town where you can't just be yourself all the time. You have to be a changeling. And I think that's, that's, you know, a lot of this album is very location specific. Um, but when it comes to music, I mean, LA is one of the meccas of the world for, for music culture. So it makes sense. Um, one thing that's noticeable right off the bat is Jim's voice is deep and gravelly and not, I mean, it's strong, but not particularly like youthful and healthy sounding. 
Um, but I like it. I think it works for the blues. It gives it a edge, gives the song some teeth. And uh, I got to say, uh, after the chorus where the guitar and the keyboard just start jamming out, uh, I'm like, OK, I get I get this Doors thing. This is this is great. Um, this is a song like what works about the Doors is when they get into a groove and there's they throw a little atmosphere over it and um, you're just kind of you're you're in it. You're in the ride. You're you're along for the ride. And this is a great example. Great opener. I'm a fan of the song. Awesome. Uh, that's, that's great to hear. Um, Steven, what do you got on the changeling? Yeah, the changeling is a, it's a good way to start the album. I, uh, I, I, I think that the, the picture it paints the, I mean, there are some all timer basic, God, we got to find another word for basic. How do I put this all timer? Like, I don't know, Jim Morrison, just, uh, not phoning it in this, uh, the, the lyrics here. I actually like the intent of the song. And the story of the song being about the idea of a changeling, a guy that can just kind of go from here to there and adapt to the situation, no matter what it is. But that line that uh, I've lived uptown, I've lived downtown, but I've never been so broke that I couldn't leave town. It's like, I don't know, something about that just uh, very blues hammerish to me. But uh, in a good way. <laughs> sure, I like that sure. story. I like the picture it paints. It reminds me of a. The song reminds me a lot of uh, the main character from the movie. Come on. That movie that uh, Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. The master. Uh, Inherent vice. (laughs) There probably are some similarities from the master and Jim Morrison. No, inherent vice. I I really get that vibe of that kind of drifter. You know, just, uh, well, things aren't working out here, but I've always got enough money or just enough uh, wherewithal to, go somewhere else and start over. Sorry, Steve, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you continue, but your blues hammer comment, actually, I was going to reference blues hammer at a later song. Um, I think in general, when you have a blues rock band, you there, there need, that is a possibility <laughs> that you're going to get into blues hammer territory. But I think this ties back to like, I really like what Jim's doing, like his voice at this point, like, um, I like I said, I think it gives it a little bit more teeth than Blues Hammer could ever have, or or you know what I you know what I mean that like white blues rock band. Uh, I, I I think it I think it 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 gives it a little authenticity. Well, Jim's not a good singer. He is he is a singer, and he tries to, I think, fill in the gaps of not being incredibly melodic, or being able to reach certain notes with swagger. And a lot of rock guys, do that. and I think you see that here. And I, I guess, yeah, sometimes the blues hammered singers of the world do get into that. That uh, really getting some oomph, you know. Never been so broke that I couldn't leave town. Uh, but I do like this song. I think it's a good good way to start the record. It kind of gives you the impression that this isn't your uh, your 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 typical Doors album. It's uh, a little bit less psychedelic and more bluesy, which is. I think the thesis statement for this whole record overall and they get off to a good start changeling. Yeah. Um, so I, I personally think this is one of their most underrated songs. Um, I'm really surprised it never really shows up on any of their compilations for their best ofs. Um, it has quite a bit, uh, all packaged into one song. It's got a lot of, a lot of karate kicks going on here and, 
Speaking of karate kicks, it does have uh, Jerry Chef, uh, the bass player from Elvis's TCB band, um, on this record. That'd be taking taking and, care of business. Uh, he's playing bass. That was uh, that's they, right. They had the belt buckles that said TCB on them, and and he was one of them. Uh, so they were very excited. Jim was a big fan of Elvis, and uh, he was very excited to be uh, performing with this guy. That does not surprise me at all. Definitely late era Elvis and Jim Morrison beyond physical comparison one could try to make there's a mentality there there's some kind of wavelength rest mm-hmm. um it has the funk you know that james brown-esque composition um is in there you know jim really liked r&b he liked blues music he liked black music essentially and you know i think this record or this song does show that that one keyboard riff, dun 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 dun. When I first heard that, I was like, "Where did I hear this?" I, I feel like I've heard that line before. And someone pointed out on the line that it's from Lips Incorporated, Funky oh, Town. Yeah. <laughs> but that came out later, so um, <laughs> there you go. Um, during the recording session, apparently Morrison did say uh, to the band, "I hate to spook anybody, but this is my favorite number." Play your ass off, boy. Um, so Jim was a big fan of this of this song, and uh, I, I like this song quite a bit too. I think it's a good way to kick off the. It's a great album opener. It does have a Uncle Fun Time jamboree at the end, um, kind of a gospel re- revelation at the end, where everyone's clapping and change, change, and change. Um, it's a fun part. So, Changeling, I give it. The seal of approval. I like it a lot, and I listen to it quite a bit. And let's go into track two, which is probably one of their more well-known songs. It was their first single off the record. It's "Lover Madly." Don't you love her madly? Don't you need her badly? Don't you love her ways? Tell me what you say. a little taste of lover madly written by robbie krieger steven tell me do you love her madly i love the song Madly. this is one of my favorite door songs it's definitely top five song it's uh it's just very crafted very well a lot of it sounds very organic but at the same time it sounds like a lot of uh, care was put into this track um I like a song that has rising action that we talked about before and propulsion. And the doors were kind of a, I mean, they were definitely a California band and that uh, at some of their best moments, they do make you feel like you're driving down some California highway, even with or without using uh, sound effects of a car revving up, which they do on this album, maybe twice. Um, but just yeah, the the feel of this track it has a breezy propulsion to it that I love, and it's uh, it, it's 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 got between the Ray Manzarek saloon pianos 
and uh, uh, Robbie Krieger's uh, 12 string guitar, I believe it is on this one. Uh, like there's this pluck strumming he's doing. They, they really just uh, mesh together for just a really great, great pop song. And uh, I think the, the lyrics are basic, you know, love her madly. She drives you crazy as she's walking out the door for the thousandth time. Nothing, nothing really too hard to break down there, but it paints a good picture. And I can listen to this is a song that I can put on repeat quite a bit. I'm a huge, huge fan of Love Her Madly. As I was saying earlier, I never want to hear uh, Light My Fire again for the rest of my life. But Love Her Madly, I've heard quite a few times and I never get tired. Goes down easy. You betcha. Um, Eric. Yeah, I would I would agree that like the this is a very uh, intentional uh, pop song. It's it, it, it the, the planning is good. All of, you know, each piece runs into the next piece. All the bridges work. It's a little bit of uh, that sunshine pop I was talking about, uh, more so than a lot of the album. Uh, and I, Robbie Krieger wrote this song, I believe, uh, in kind of like a um, the maddening heartbreak of a dependent marriage. Uh, and that's shown a little bit in the movie, just a little bit. Um, do you love her ways? Tell me what you say. Don't you love her as she's walking out the door like she's done 1,000 times before, as, as Steve said. It's a great line, though, and I love how it slips into a minor key for that last part like she did 1,000 times before. It's uh, it's Because it, it, the whole song is kind of uh, peppy, and then that little part just, just brings you down, and then snaps right back into the the sunshine pop um yeah i mean it's it's this this wouldn't necessarily be something i would ever think to reach for but when it comes on it's it's very pleasing um and much like uh this would be like a a another a further connection to like uh feelings i get when i'm listening to like pet sounds or something like that it's it's sun kissed the song uh, there and there is some great uh, Ray does some great ragtime piano yeah. in the song, which I, I I do appreciate. So yeah, dun 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 dun. It's yeah. Sometimes Ray's tangents uh, actually piss me off at times. Sure, I'll get into one of those. Oh later. yeah, so lie. But uh, but this one I think it works. Oh, perfectly. it's perfect. The band, yeah, the band they really like. I said they really crafted a great song here. It just sounds. It just sounds like they just every piece, like Eric said, fits really well. And I, yeah, I love this song. I, and I, I do reach for this song. Um, and I'm actually glad we we did the doors this season because it reminded me of how much I like this song. So it'll go into whatever uh, rotation I have. Just this track, at least. I big, big fan. Yeah, it's a cool song. And uh, once again, not my uh, not my uh, necessarily go to. But once it's on, uh, my ears just feel like. Uh, like somebody's shoving warm, soft butter into them, <laughs> which is more pleasing than that description sounds. <laughs> and a lot of it's Robbie Krieger's guitar playing on it. It's just the like the, the strumming he's doing. It's just he manages to like mute the strumming at just the right moment to where it's just got this good clip to it. I just really love it. Really good. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a it's an earworm for sure. I mean, there is many parts of this song without it having actually to listen to it back right now. Um, I, I know exactly what parts you're describing. It's just one of those songs that uh, it's just, it's easy to describe. It's easy to listen to. It's fun. Um, and it's 
kind of beautiful at the same time, despite the uh, the acrimony that is between um, the the two different characters here. Um, and the two different characters, you're correct. It was written by Robbie Krieger. It was really inspired by the tumultuous relationship that he had with his girlfriend at the time. And then they later got married. Her name is Lynn. She was a go-go dancer. They met at a club and uh, she actually first had a fling with Jim Morrison and then ended up with Robbie. And then they ended up getting married and they were kind of off and on. They got in fights, they got in troubles, they got in arguments. Um, the song title is actually pulled from a Duke Ellington line. Um, when he would perform live, he would say to the audience, we love you madly. You know, uh, Robbie and Ray were big jazz fans. So uh, that's kind of where Robbie got that, that from. And one of the things that Robbie said later that Jim always told me, put something in there that makes the listener confused. So that part of the song, all your love is gone of a deep blue dream. Seven horses seem to be on the mark. That means nothing. That was just there because, um, as Robbie said, it didn't mean much. Seven horses were like a lucky omen. Jim liked horse racing from his Florida days. The bit seems about seemed to be on the mark, simply just fitted that military rhythm. Um, so he just wanted to kind of throw that in there. Jim loved the, those lines. He loved it. He loves the, uh, he's, he's sung about horses at least seven times. Uh, this song, uh, the soft parade, horse latitudes, and I know there's more. The guy, horses are a go-to for that guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. And I think that Robbie was just trying to impress him. So that's what happened. But yeah, uh, uh, Lover Madly, it has that uh, saloon piano. You absolutely indicated that. But it also has like that Beach Boys type, like, you know, surfing on the beach kind of um, uh, synth line in there or keyboard line in there as well. Um, I always kind of just enjoy and then that finger plucking style. Robbie de- didn't really play with pick. He played with his just his fingers on the guitar. He had that kind of flamenco style and you can really hear it on here. So there you go. So let's go to track three where we're going to get into some blues, baby. Um, a little bit more along the lines of changeling, but uh, been down so long. Well, I've been down so goddamn long that it looks like a Eric, have you been down so long? That looks like up to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, sure, we all have. Um, uh, all right, so this song is uh, basically like exactly. It's it, it, you're you're at the bottom of the barrel. Been down so long that it looks up to me. Uh, why don't you people come and set me free? Um, it yeah. This song is like. Uh, it's meta in the sense that, um, you know, he's he's wishing for freedom from, you know, kind of his his slot as a rock star. Uh, 
and uh but there's also a subtext about uh you know when you're when you're sad you feel like there's no way out you're seeking solace in a woman um or maybe he's w- remembering a woman that made him feel down in the first place um so the 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 song is the most bluesy that we've hit so far in this album it's got a very typical blues structure um but uh so kind of my take on the blues is i think people uh especially technical musicians love the blues because it gives you a very broad palette it is repetitive it is in a minor key and it so like say you're a uh kenny wayne shep or a uh you know uh one of these uh johnny langs right uh you can you can shred over blues it's it's it gives you a very broad palette. Like I said, there's a lot you can do in it. Um, but the problem with a lot of electric blues too is it doesn't sound authentic. You don't really buy that anybody is sounding as sad as maybe the minor key would imply. Um, however, in this particular song, Jim Morrison's uh, guttural growl, well, I've been down so damn long! Like, it's... Uh, I, I, it goes from being cheesy to absolutely relatable in a half measure. It's, it's, it's great. Um, and I do love that it's staccato, like the music, dun, 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 like that, that blue, the blues, uh, uh, backing, uh, the bass, the guitar, the drums, it stays pretty staccato, which keeps the, uh, the heart rate up, keeps it exciting. Um, and, and Jim is at a place in his life where he can pull off the blues he's singing about. Now, there are some tracks on here where he cannot, and I'll, I will mention those. But this particular track, he pulls it off. I believe it. Um, he's got the blues. I believe it. This is, this is a, as far as the straight up electric blues rock goes, this is one of the best examples on this album. Steven, uh, he's been down so long that he actually had to go upstairs. So I will, um, I'll go ahead and tell my, my two cents then. So been down so long. Yeah. At first blush, this uh, wasn't one of my favorite songs. I, I, I definitely had this one grow on me through the years. And I think that you just, nailed of why that I do like this song so much. And I do feel that Jim sells it really, really well. Um, you know, I, I, I don't quite agree with Steven when he says that Jim's not a good singer. I think in this phase of his career, um, he's a different type of singer. I think, you know, it'd be like equating is Tom Waits a good singer. Well, no, not in the traditional sense, but good Lord, I love his singing. I, it, that's the kind of the way that I look at it. From a more of a technical sense, yes, he's not a good singer, but it works for me. And I would say the same thing for, for old Jim here. And having him go into like, okay, I really want to just play the blues, you know, really trying to go back to basics of where rock really came from and what it really originated from. I have to just give him credit for that. Just to give a little background on this song, um, the title makes reference to uh, Richard uh, Farina's book, Been Down So Long It Looks Like Up To Me. Uh, It was influenced by the song um, 
I will turn your money green by Furry Lewis from 1928. Uh, in 1966, that novel came out, and uh, Richard Farina he died in a motorcycle motorcycle accident like two days after it was published. Um, really good friends with Bob Dylan, and uh, I, I know that Jim was obviously in that orbit. So sure that that's where he got this from. Lyrically, I think that he was also trying to talk about all of the legal troubles that he was getting into, you know, talking about Warden, throw away that lock and key, and just kind of being harassed by authorities. I mean, he was trying to do his best to connect with audiences, and yes, he was inebriated, but he was also just feeling that inspiration to feel free. I mean, good Lord, how many times have we all kind of let our inhibitions go whenever we get a little taste of that uh, alcohol or whatever we're on in our system and just, you know, different times. There was this us versus them, you know, the long hairs versus authority. And we had Vietnam starting to brew and it was already brewing. It was just a powder keg. And I think that Jim trying to express himself and just constantly feeling that he was going to be locked up for expressing his feelings and who he was and what he was trying to do. It's very blues uh, perspective, I guess you would say from a white man. It may not resonate as much, but uh, trying to just steal that sound from black music, you know, I I understand the co-opting of cultures argument, but I don't think that he was doing it in a way. I think he was doing it as a way to um, uh, lay credit, you know, and acknowledge rather than steal. Yeah. Yeah. When you hear blues, that's, that's so, so white, white, you hear your blues, blues hammers out there, right? You know, when you're hearing it, you know, when you're hearing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a big part of that is like, you know, you have to feel like you're coming, you're coming from a a position of down being downtrodden and, and, uh, and, you know, Jim, Jim was going through some shit. Yeah, definitely. And unfortunately, uh, after this record, we don't get to see what else Jim could have been up to. So it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Uh, Steven, are you back from upstairs? That's right. I was, I've been down so goddamn long, I had to go upstairs to feel up. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm a fan of this track. I like a, I like a song that has a, a good, uh, I'm oppressed by the man vibe. And... Uh, you know, trying to just tell the man, just, you know, just, would you just lay off, man? That's a, I dig it. I dig, I dig that style. Yeah. Um, the slide guitar on this track is very good. The slide guitar solo towards the end there is, it's, it's nice. Um, I'm a big fan of any slide guitar. I've listened to a lot of Led Zeppelin lately, specifically Led Zeppelin 3. And you'll, you'll find some slide guitar in that album. Uh, yeah, this is a good good track. It has a good goddamn. Not a, it's not Bob Odenkirk level goddamn, but it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It definitely it fits the overall overall vibe of the album. That the bluesy vibe. This is definitely right at home. It's even got a it's even got a closing. Uh, uh don't set me free. Just a little bluesy flourish close. It's all right. Good stuff. All right, well, let's uh, go into a little bit more blues. Um, Let's open up some windows. 
and let's hear if cars hiss by my window. The cars hiss by my window like the waves down on the beach. The cars hiss by my window like the waves down on the beach. I got this girl beside me, but she's out of reach. Steve, back to you. Uh, tell me about Cars Hiss by My Window. Yes, the blues. The bluesy album. And this is a very slow, bluesy song. It's uh, to take it back to the kids in the hall. This is very much in the sitting on a night train, chewing on a jelly roll style of the blues. <laughs> the cars hiss by my window, which is a, a good album, a good song title. And that's what the song's about. It seems is sitting by your window and listening to cars drive by. Uh, it doesn't blow my socks off, but not everything needs to. What it does do, though, is it reminds me that Jim Morrison's troubadour image kind of thing he's going for here, especially on this song, kind of reminds me of early Tom Waits. Uh, I think you could you could take this. This could be an early Tom Waits song to, to my ear. I can imagine Tom singing about the cars hissing by his window and uh, just a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit more, a little bit more uh, downtown style. This is a, a Tom Waits song, but he was he was definitely living in L.A. at the time, I think, and I'm I'm sure that uh, maybe Tom was a uh, was listening to what the Doors were doing on L.A. Woman. I'm not sure, but for whatever reason, this song in particular reminds me of early Tom Waits, and that's about all I have to say about cars hiss by my window. All right. Uh, if we're not careful, we're going to conjure up Tom Waits for our next episode because <laughs> um, we, I, I made mention of that on the last track too. Um, all right, so uh, Eric, cars hiss by my window. Yeah, right. So this another blues blues uh, standard, um, not a standard. It's an original, but the uh, the backing music is just doing a basic blues riff. Uh, it's conjuring up some specific LA imagery. Listen, the if the point of the song was to just like paint a picture of a lazy LA afternoon, you're waking up in your beachside apartment, you're hearing cars pass by, then you know, hey, listen, you knocked it out of the park. This could be an opening scene for uh, you know, a you know your um. Uh, your your seventies, your long goodbye, your 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 seventies cop in L.A. Uh, waking up slowly, grabbing a beer. Uh, girl leaves leaves you. Roll credits. It's 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 very cinematic. The song itself is a you know, it, the cars hiss by my window like waves down on the beach. The cars hiss by my window like waves down on the beach. I got this girl beside me, but she's out of reach, and just kind of like. You're feeling comfort until you remember that there's something wrong with your relationship. And, you know, I think that's pretty deep. Um, but the music itself, other than conjuring that image that I mentioned, 
it really doesn't do much for me. It's uh, once again with when it comes when it comes to the blues, it's got to be pretty dynamic uh, to <laughs> to kind of be in my I don't know to to kind of appeal to me. And the last one was this one's not so much um, the 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 best part of the blues, like I said, is it paints a broad palette to do some crazy solos and and fill in the blanks. And that just kind of never happens in this song. Um, and I would I would consider this one of the one, one of the wink links on this album. Yeah, this isn't one of my favorites either. Um, it does have that typical blues rock kind of feel to it about, you know, just kind of staring out the window and maybe a girl with you and just watching, you know, life go by. Um, some context here. Uh, so uh, correction, uh, L.A. Woman took only about like maybe a week, a little over a week to record. So the band actually took it upon themselves to do a blues day. So that's where you found this recording. Been down so long, Crawling King, King Snake. Um, and some other songs that didn't make the record all on one single session. Um, but finally, we come across not only us doing mouth guitar, we have actually a song where someone on the record that we're talking about is doing mouth guitar. <laughs> So I think that's worth calling out um, that wah wah sound you hear at the end. Um, that's Jim impersonating first a guitar, then he does the harmonica. So it's not just us. We actually have someone on record doing it. So that's fun. So that's Cars Hiss by My Window. Now it's time to go to the middle of the record to the self-titled song, L.A. Woman. Let's hear a little bit of that. about la woman are you uh feeling your mojo rising on this one? Oh yeah oh yeah how could you not how could you not this song so when i talked about like songs that sound like somebody driving through la at night street lights reflecting off their camaro paint job this is this is a perfect example this 
it's a great song. Mr. Mojo Ryzen is, uh, you know, obviously uh, Jim Morrison has a few uh, personas, and this is his sexy bluesman uh, persona, uh, Man on the Town. And uh, this this song is uh, is pretty great. Um, I, I guess he's doing like a little riff on some Muddy Waters, uh, but not being versed in Muddy Waters. Uh, you know, I just can hear Jim doing his, his blues thing. But this one is is hot. This one is is sweaty. Um, and, uh, I, you know, you've got this uh, kind of person that's new to town. I just got into town about an hour ago, took a look around, see which way the wind blow. Where the little girls in their Hollywood bungalows, are you lucky little lady in the city of light or just another lost angel? Um, you know, he's testing the waters for love in a windy night in L.A. And, uh, you know, you may not, the artists nowadays may not sing about looking for love with little girls, but it was a different time back then. Yeah, Jim Morrison sings about it a lot. He does. He does. <laughs> he does. Little, little girl, little, little girls are referred to often in his lyrics. Uh, honor your man. Get on yeah. your knees. This one's, this one's got a uh, makes makes Eric makes Eric Eric very uncomfortable. Uh, still, this is a this is a hot a hot one on this album. Maybe the best song. It's uh, uh, there's a lot of references to the Santa Ana winds, fires in the hills, uh, things that are you know part and parcel with life in L.A. The sexy uh, bluesman has entered entered the town. So mothers, lock up your daughters. Smithers is on the town. Um, Solid, solid, uh, solid, solid track. Uh, let's see here. Uh, there's some motorcycle sounds. Um, and then the rhythm guitar and the drums start doing like a choo-choo train thing. A choo-choo train chug is, is what I wrote down. That is undeniable. So good. And I love how the drums slip in and out of Latin percussion. Awesome. Uh, that's a, that's some jazz drumming right there for, for you. Uh, this, uh, this track is, is a, is a highlight in my opinion. Great song. All right. Steven, uh, are you going to move to L.A. just based on L.A. woman? No, I'm not. Uh, if I move to L.A., it's going to be based off of Rainbow's uh, L.A. Connection, a superior song about L.A. But this song is not bad. I agree with most of what Eric said. It's uh, not my favorite song on the album. It's not a bad song. It's a good song. And I think the band is whip tight on this track. I think that they paint a great picture of driving down the coast, which is what their intent was. I think that the, uh, I don't know if there's a bass player on this one or if it's uh, Rayman Zarek's uh, left hand, but I think the, the bass and the drum interplay is very good at times. The do, 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 that whole section. Um, I think Robbie Krieger's little guitar. Uh, licks are great. My biggest problem with this track is actually Jim. Um, this it's, it's interesting because this song is definitely a Jim Morrison style song, but at the same time, sometimes the way he delivers the lines almost take me out of it. And I'm a guy that likes like I like, I don't need good singers on my songs at all ever. Uh, I I love Black Sabbath, not the well I I love the Ronnie James Dio, and the Ozzy Osbourne. Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne's a terrible singer, but I love many songs he sings on. And sometimes I have to put myself in that same mode with Jim Morrison. I don't know if I'm too hard on him or what, but on this track, the ghetto battle settle about about a go, like it's just like what are you, what's going on here? 
and that other line where he's like, say the lost angel. I, something about his delivery on this song jars me out of the song. And uh, that's probably just me. I, I don't know. I don't know why his delivery on the song irks me more so than other songs where he's doing something very similar. Maybe they should have done a couple more takes. I'm not sure. All that said, I do like the song a lot. It's my, just the vocals are my least favorite part of it. And I, I suppose that's a, a neat aspect of The Doors is that, like I said earlier, they're very much remembered for Jim Morrison. And Mark pointed out that the albums they did without him proved that. But sometimes the, the, they were such a, a small unit and there's a lot of space for instrumentation to breathe in a lot of their songs. And a lot of times, Jim, to me, is not my favorite aspect of the song. And uh, this is one of them. But it's not a bad song. And uh, also, Ray Manzarek has an awesome uh, piano solo on this one, too. Like, really, really good. Really good uh, ragtime stuff on this track as well. All right. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I I can I'm definitely on more on the Eric uh, interpretation of this song. Um, I think this is probably maybe in my top five Doors songs of all time. and largely because uh, it gives each uh, band member, um, including Jim, uh, a moment to shine. And I think that it shows off what when they are firing in all cylinders, um, this is essentially like the height of their powers. Um, and I and I say that because um, some of the records in the early part of their career uh, were very polished. And that was largely due to the production work of Paul Rothschild. He would, you know, have them do take after take after take after take. And I actually really enjoy the live doors records uh, quite a bit. And it does give them a little bit more of just freedom, more loose rein um, to kind of work off of each other. I feel like this this particular song does a very very good job of bringing something into the studio which they captured so well live um working well off of one another um and you know when they would play live you would see some of those vocal ticks um that you kind of talked about uh from Jim um and I can understand like, Hey, that's not my, not my jam. I kind of like my, my muse, my, my Jim Morrison a little bit more kind of within the lines and not having to do all of these like funky stuff that distract me from the rest of the song. So I totally understand that perspective, but for me, like I feel like this exemplifies what they're capable of doing, um, kind of feeding off of one another and bringing that into the studio rather than trying to get them like, Oh, we got to make sure that this gets on the radio. And I understand that perspective because I mean, it's product they're trying to sell some records here, but seeing how they stopped really becoming a live entity, um, at this point, um, it was nice to see some of that like live energy, uh, appear on this song. Um, so there is a lot of like, ebbs and flows of the song with the Mr. Mojo rise in and then how it like kind of ramps up into, um, you know, where he's, yeah, rising. Whoa. Oh yeah. You know, just really going for it. And then it goes right back into the, well, I just got into town about an hour ago and 
Um, and you get that kind of call and response with Robbie's guitar, like, um, I think that's pretty neat. Like they're, it's kind of a conversation that's happening. Um, to me, like more so on this song than writers on the storm, which ends the album. I feel like this is like the complete send off. This is the, the, the doors going full circle, um, you know, and calling it a day. I, I have I have I have the opposite sentiment I'll talk about later. Interesting. Yeah, and you know, uh people have seen this as Jim Morrison's final goodbye, if whatever we want to call that to right. LA. It's the last song he recorded with them, right? No, it was Riders on the Storm. Riders on the Storm was the very last thing that they actually did record. And so um uh as poetic as I it was as it would be as this one, but it was Riders on the Storm. Um but yeah, I I really really like this song well don't get me wrong i'm not looking for things to nitpick but i do think that uh when we try to do this podcast if we all just say oh i like this song we're not going to get anywhere and uh i definitely uh it's a song i like but for whatever reason jim on this song is my least favorite aspect of it but uh not a bad song still oh yeah no i understand i understand that perspective i mean the vocals do kind of the production work sound a little muddy um, I don't know if recording in the bathroom was the best way to go, but okay. If that's what I do, have, I, I, I do have to say though, the whole Mojo Ryzen thing, which I do find amusing. I love the idea of the rest of the band having to hear that and be like, okay, you just rearrange letters, in your name, huh? Yeah. All right. Whatever. Good job, Jim. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Cause he, he did think that he struck gold on that too. He was like, right. he, he, he brought it over to the, uh, engineer and he was like, what do you, what do you think about that? Huh? Wait, and they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I get it. I, I, I totally get it. And you know, like, you know, I clearly no harm done, but uh, you know, I'll just go ahead and scratch your name out of the will. And I think we can move on now. <laughs> well, I really, I really hope in that case that you're not a huge fan of Lamerica because things aren't going to get any better in that case. <laughs> Well, I, I think we should hear about what, what La America has to say. So um, let's hear a little bit of La America. America. Come on, people, don't you look so down. You know, the rain man's coming to town. And change your weather, change your luck. And then it'll teach you how to find yourself. Um, and Stephen, kick us off. Um, are we moving to? Uh, are we making this the new national anthem? No, and I can't wait to talk about the next track uh, <laughs> because I like it a lot more than this one. This song actually makes me angry. Uh, <laughs> um, there's a style of song that really gets on my nerves, which I can, where I can just tell. To me, it sounds like the band is just kind of fucking around. And I look at the length of the album and I'm like, did we really, I mean, the album's already about 38 minutes long. Did you guys really have to put this song on here? I just, I, I don't know. The, the song just uh, doesn't really ever go anywhere for me. And then when it's really not going anywhere, it turns into this odd carny shit. I just, something about it grates on me. And when I listen to it, all I can think of is music from movies that Mystery Science Theater watches. Like I can imagine 
this song sounds like good background music for the touch of Satan. I don't know. Uh, I, I just, I, I, again, we're being honest tonight. And I, when I grade the album at the end of the day, that's not going to be as negative as I am about this song, but uh, my least favorite song in the record, maybe my least fit. This might be Regency bias, but it might be my least favorite door song. I just, I, I just feel like it sounds like a bunch of high schoolers in the garage trying to do something, to do something special. And it just sounds like noodling to me. And I am not a fan of this track. Totally understand. Yeah. Eric, what, what do you got? Okay, well, I get what Steve's saying. It, it's frustrating. Um, but I, I'm not going to call it a total wash. Here's why it's frustrating is like, it starts with this like descending guitar part and this bass thump that makes it sa- sounds sinister. It almost sounds like, like uh, in a way, a proto metal riff. Uh, there could be something very cool in it. Um, but like, Ray's doing his own thing this entire song. <laughs> uh, so, like, whatever Ray's doing doesn't really match the other stuff. And uh, Jim is doing his, uh, you know, his, you know, the Rain Man's coming to town. Goulet! He's doing his, his, uh, his Goulet on this, on this song. Um, just kind of uh, blathering through it. Uh, song itself is you know, trading beads for a pint of gold, maybe going down to Mexico to buy some drugs um, and then uh, meet some strangers and maybe find yourself. L'America, Latin America is the, uh, is, is what the title means. Um, But it's frustrating because there are some really cool and forward thinking parts about the music in the song. Um, But a lot of the members are doing their own thing. Jim is uh, in not in his most focused mode as a vocalist. So I, I, I agree with Steven that it's a, a low point in the album. Yeah, I am not a fan of this song either. Um, I think this is their uh, worst track off the record. It's not like where I want to pull my hair out and move on. I feel like it just goes by so fast that I can't really give it too many different thoughts on it. Um, it was originally intended for the film. Um, Zabriskie Point. I'm sure that uh, Stephen knows of her, has at least heard of that that uh, that that movie because Pink Floyd did music for that. Um, yes, and I could actually. This does. I, I, I'm sure at one point I did think of early Pink Floyd uh, when I listened to this track. Just not a good version of early Pink Floyd. Right. So the director Michelangelo Antonini, um, he rejected the song. So that's where the Doors decided to put it on the record. But yeah, to your point, I don't think that they should have put it on the record. Um, I think that it should have been just seen as one of their oddities. Um, and of course, La America does mean Latin America. And Eric, you're right; it's just about going down there and buying some marijuana or some drugs or whatever you want to get your hands into. Um, the only like thing that I really have to add to the song, there was a mutual friend in high school who was also kind of getting into the doors and he was a really big fan of this song. And I just always wondered what the hell, why? Um, so, um, there you go. That's, that's the only thing that I really have to say about the song. It reminds me of my friend in high school. I like this song and I never knew why. So there you go. So let's move into the hyacinth house and, uh, see what's going on in there. So here is Hyacinth House. What are they doing in the Hyacinth House? 
Eric. Are you measuring the drapes for Hyacinth House? Uh, yes, this is where things get classy on the album. Uh, this one is kind of more of a return to the folky, psychedelic folk, um, which I guess they don't do a lot of folk, uh, The Doors, but this one definitely starts that way. Um, and it, 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 it's an old Greek myth uh, regarding Apollo, who he accidentally kills uh, Hyacinthus, um, in a, uh, kills him in a discus throwing contest. Um, when uh, Hyacinthus ran to catch uh, Apollo's disc um, to impress him, but he d- didn't realize how strong the god was throwing the disc, killed him. And uh, anyways, uh, the song itself is all over the place, but it is a meta song. It is a song about uh, Morrison uh, feeding the lions. This is his, you know, what it's like to be a rock star, right? Um, And, uh, you know, I see, uh, you know, basically being at a party and going to, or or a, you know, some sort of event and going to hide in the bathroom. I see the bathroom is clear. Um, I'm sure someone is following me. Like, it's a little paranoid. Um, But the whole Feeding the Lions is, like, definitely something where he's, he wanted to, as you could tell, like he wanted to go into just spoken word poetry at some point. Like the whole rock star thing was not working out for him anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say this is what the movie got right. If anything, was that he was way more interested in the poetry aspect of what he was doing, not the rock star aspect. Um, the song is dreamy. Um, it's kind of fun. Uh, once again, not something I'd reach out to, but this is this, you know, there, there is something fascinating about this like pocket of sixties and seventies folk, the psychedelic folk, your pearls before swine, your stuff like that, that this would fit into very nicely. Um, musically it's an achievement. It's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, once again, still. Wouldn't be my go-to, but I do respect it on a technical level. There you go. All right. Steven, Eisenhaus. <clears throat> yeah, this is my favorite song in the album. I think it's a, uh, a, a top five door song. It's a buried treasure. I, I didn't realize how good this song is until we did the uh, podcast review for this record. And I've heard it before, but I was like, oh, yeah, this song, this track. I remember this one. And it's uh, really just... a appeals to my sensibilities it's got this kind of pacing uh, eric brought up the folk psych thing i could see that to go back to a little pink floyd stuff it kind of would fit right on the album like metal and i really enjoy the vibe it has it just has this lackadaisical pace but at the same time seems like it's trying to stand for something and what that is besides when you know needing some brand new fin- friends which he says over and over again i'm not quite sure but uh it's it's just uh it's kind of like you float down the river then you get on the 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 sandbank and you triumphantly stride to your towel and dry yourself off and it really works for me uh this track um i think it would have been a good direction for them to go in if they continued as a band this this sound i think it would have worked for them and rayman's eric who has his moments of uh shenanigans on this track 
he is a does some magic. The keyboard solo on this song is very cool. It sounds otherworldly, and I tip my hat to him on this one. Big fan of this song. Yeah, I agree with you, Steve. I think this is like a uh, it's an undiscovered gem. Um, it's a deep cut, no no doubt about it. I I'm a big fan of this song. Um, I think it's a pretty sad song. Um, all in all. Uh, why did you throw the Jack of Hearts away? It was the only card in the deck that I had left to play. Um, and depending on what you guys rate this album, I may agree with Jim by saying I need a brand new friend or friends yeah. in this case. <laughs> I kid, I kid. I'm not holding you ransom. Um, but I do like this song quite a bit. Um, and from every research that really indicates says that I see the bathroom is clear is actually a pretty literal line. Um, seeing how Jim was recording his vocals in the bathroom. Uh, the big guy from the, uh, the movie, um, Babe Hill, um, one of his friends, he emerged from the bathroom just as he was writing the verse apparently. Uh, so there you go. Jim was just looking around the room and saying, um, I like lamp. I love lamp. Um, and, uh, so, so there you go. Jim Morrison, just looking around to see what he could write down and make it into a verse. <laughs> Um, all right. So that's Hyacinth house. Uh, it's, it's good. It's great. Um, and may not be for everybody, but, uh, uh, me and Steve agree on this one. So let's, uh, go down and have Samuel L. Jackson give us those big eyes, uh, as we listen to crawling King snake. Crawling King Snake. Um, there it is. Uh, I think it's uh, Stephen. Um, why did I say that line about um, Samuel L. Jackson giving us the eyes on this one? Well, it's, we've been dancing around it all night. Earlier, we brought up Dewey Cox, which is John C. Riley, and we're talking about the Doors, who have a few needle drops in it, and the actor Samuel L. Jackson is in the cinematic masterpiece Kong Skull Island, right? <laughs> Is that why? Well, it is a cinematic masterpiece, no doubt about that. Um, and uh, I don't know how we could potentially connect it to that song uh, or to this song, but I, I feel like you can keep on digging <laughs> and find the, the gold we're looking for. Well, I, I can I can't keep on digging, but uh, I watched that movie again today. Uh, that is a good good movie. It does really fit in, though. I mean, the Doors, they're a needle drop band. When you're going to make a movie about Vietnam, you're going to have a Doors song on there and Kong Skull Island is not about Vietnam, but they have that vibe, and it has, I think, Light My Fires in it. Um, they're definitely Probably. In it. But uh, anyhow, so Samuel Jackson, but Samuel Jackson is also in Black Snake Moan, a movie I haven't seen since it came out. Uh, I saw it in the theaters, and I own it, actually. I haven't watched it since, but uh, that movie is about Christina Ricci, who has a drug and sex addiction, and she wanders to Samuel Jackson's uh cabin 
and he sees this woman is uh, troublesome. So he chains her to the radiator and he plays guitar. That I summed it up, right? That's the whole movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's he, pretty much he it. He cures her yeah. with the blues. and he looks angry the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> yes. That Jim Morrison would have been a fan of that movie, no doubt. And uh, the Black Snake Moan. Uh, you can try to extrapolate what that's supposed to mean. The Crawling King Snake. You don't got to work too hard to see what old Jim's talking about here. He's talking about his mojo rising. If you ask me, it's a dick metaphor. Uh, he's all about the dick metaphors, and he's all about you know telling girls to get on their knees and both those things happen on this track. Um, it's a bluesy song. This one though, it's a John Lee hooker song. Uh, I don't know. Is it lyrically lyric for lyric, the same song, Mark or Eric, you know, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. Not a bad song. It definitely fits in with the blues vibe. I mean, this album, this is a blues album for the most part. And this gets you back to where you need to be. Um, I think, uh, it 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 was probably them proving their authentic blues and not blues hammer. Um, and <laughs> Delta it's, blues, baby. It's not a bad track. It's just a blues track. Um, they do a little bit more of something similar on the next song, and I'll have more to say about the next song. I do not dislike this song though. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's 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 palatable. Um, I mean, the song. Yeah, is it's about dicks and boners. Um, you know, I rule my den. Come on, give me what I want. I'm not going to crawl no more. Uh, you know, that's what it's about. Uh, it's as sleazy as blues gets. Um, and, uh, you know, hey, can't you, you got to love the lizard imagery, the uh, reptile imagery that 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 uh, Jim goes for. Um yeah, I mean, it's fine. Um, I don't think it's as effective as uh, some of the earlier blues tracks, but it at the same time, it, it, it has a nice sound to it. Um, but there is something cool that happens on this song that does not happen anywhere else, and that is the pinwheel guitar work that's happening. Uh, there is just this, like, the guitar starts doing these little stab solos, these little, like, really quick flurries in the song. Um, that I appreciate. Those those are kind of fun, like a little proto Tom Morello stuff. It's it's cool. That guitar work really does feel like it's crawling around the floor. Um, so I'll give it that. I mean, I I do like this song. Um, it's not one of the uh, like most memorable songs, but I do have to agree that at least the blues that they are trying to play, it is more of that kind of slow blues rather than. Um, the blues hammer that you get in uh, ghost world, you know, where it's Johnny Lang's um, smoky blues. Not to say anything wrong with like Stevie Ray Vaughan type of blues, but this is more towards the traditional type of blues song. Um, It's good. Yep. You're definitely talking about sex and talking about dicks and talking about crawling around and making them your baby and all that good stuff. Uh, It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Go for it. Um, fits into what Jim Morrison's persona is all about. And uh, this doesn't change that at all. So that was Crawling King Snake. Now it's time to talk about the Wasp. Parentheses, Texas Radio in the Big Beat.
Texas Radio, or The Wasp, however you want to call this or title this. Um, Eric, what do you think about this spoken word? Uh, not a fan of this song. Um, this is a this is a low point on the album for me. Uh, the, uh, the song itself is... Uh, uh, I guess he's talking about his experience with the music industry. Um, some call it heavenly in its brilliance, others mean and rueful of the Western dream. I mean, he's a good poet. His lyrics are not bad. Um, he spoken words his way through the verses and then sings a little bit, tell you about the heartache and the loss of God. And he does his like, uh, that's his goulet. I Maybe I meant... Yeah, yeah, and also that 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 section right there has some uh, Manzarek Carney keyboards on it, uh, and so uh, you know, I don't know. It's I can get through it. Um, this doesn't do a thing for me, um, and uh, there is some cool drum stuff going on. You hear some early uh, production work on the drums where you the pitch pitch shifter is a, is attached to the drum mics. And you see some some cool uh, probably at this at that time it was probably pretty psychedelic drum stuff. Um, and Ray's got a great organ solo in this song, so credit where credits due. But this this is not a uh, a high point for me on this album. Stephen, I actually I like it more than the last song, and the only reason I compare the two of them is because they're both like pretty bluesy, and I think they actually suffer by being sequenced one after another. I think if you separate these two songs, they work better. Um, I did say though that uh, Jim sings even less than usual on this track. He really talks his way through it, which I do not mind often from bands. But in this time, on this one, I'm like, ah, it really sounds, you know, it really sounds like he's phoning it in from the bathroom. I don't mind it. It's pretty good. Uh, I just think that it should be a, a distance further away from Crawling King Snake. I do like the the album, the song title quite a bit. The Wasp want to tell you about Texas radio and the big beat. I, I love that. And actually uh, one other note I have is that uh, I think the guitar elevates the second half of the song. There's some really good guitar work in the second half of the song, but then Ray comes back in with Carney shit, which uh, I keep bashing the Carney sections. And as a, uh, as a fan of a band of who we do not speak anymore, that used to use a lot of carnival imagery back in the nineties, I guess I shouldn't have such a big problem with it. But for some reason on this album, I just, you know, a few times I was like, Ray, what are you doing? You can be doing other things. And uh, he does that a few times in this record. So <laughs> I hear you. Uh, the Wasp uh, definitely sounds like a radio station that you would uh, be blaring out of uh, Mexico. Um, Texas radio, the whole terminology does refer to these high power Mexican radio stations that would blast into Texas in the fifties. 
Um, so those stations weren't really regulated by America. And um, those call letters typically started with X. Um, and uh, Jim Morrison, you know, in his travels, being an army brat, uh, you know, he traveled around a lot with his family. And so I'm sure that's where he was exposed to a lot of the music that did influence him. And the spoken word poetry, uh, those lyrics were certainly written before they were even put to any sort of music and probably more intended for more of a project that was more akin to American prayer. In fact, there is a track on American prayer called stone immaculate. Back in those days, everything was simpler and more confused. One summer night going to the pier, I ran into two young girls the blonde was called Freedom, the dark one Enterprise. We talked and they told me the story. Now listen to this. I'll tell you about Texas Radio and the Big Beat. Soft, driven, slow and mad like some new language. Reaching your head with the cold, sudden fury of a divine messenger. Let me tell you about heartache and the loss of God, wandering, wandering in hopeless night. Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. And uh, it's very strange because you get his spoken word while this song is playing underneath it. And it's unnecessary. For whatever reason, the song doesn't bother me, offend me. Maybe it's because like I have gone into, you know, I'm buying what they're selling, and so I don't necessarily am not like thrown for a loop or a curve on this. It's just okay. It's not my favorite thing of theirs by any means, but musically, I like what Ray uh Robbie's doing on the guitar. Um it's fun. Uh it's kind of got that, you know, just his his playing style um kind of wins me over and just kind of that bass line from Jerry Chef and John Densmore's drums it's punctuating what Morrison's trying to say and you know it's Morrison doing his thing uh where he wants to obviously break away from being the frontman lead vocalist and now go into his next thing uh which is simply just being a poet and okay that's fine uh, you know i and i'm all I'm, I'm along for the ride so it's not offensive to me um and uh musically it keeps my interest so there you go so let's close it out with a classic rock song that's played probably hell right now as we're talking um and that would be riders on the storm Riders on the storm Riders on the storm Into this house we're born Into this world we're thrown 
Like a dog without a bone And actor out alone Riders on the storm There's All right, that was Riders on the Storm. I'm sure we've all heard it um, thousands of times. But now it's time to hear what I think, is it Steve's turn? I think it is. Steve. Um, Riders on the Storm. I've heard this song a thousand times. And I never get tired of it. Uh, the song is very, it's got some good cosmic shit to it. And I think it was a good send-off for the band. It definitely sums up the whole uh, mysticism side of The Doors. And the, the whole song is kind of going for this, uh, paints two kind of pictures here. You've got, you know, cosmic indifference on one side and uh, the danger of a, of a, of a you know, a lonely street uh, in a thunderstorm on the other side and how the two are actually intertwined. It's not too deep. It's trying to sound deeper than it is. But I, I think that they what they really do on this track is paint a great picture. It has a great feel. I think this song is classic because it just has such a particular vibe, a portrait it paints. Uh, if, if you string, if you take away the thunder sounds, Rayman Zarek's Rhodes piano, and it is a Rhodes piano I checked, uh, does really good work to make it feel like it's the music of rainfall. Take the sound effects away. His piano work still conveys uh, rainfall in this track to my ear. And I think it's a pretty cool send-off for the band. Um, everything about it works for me. I like the length of it. Is, I'm fine. I never get tired of it. I, the song does not do much in its seven minutes. It doesn't stray too far from the basic premise that the song starts with, but it doesn't bore me. And which is interesting because uh, the lyrics still they start out pretty good. But at one point, Jim still does pull out into his tr- his bag of tricks is a uh, girl. You got to love your man lyrics. And I'm just like, oh, back to this, huh, Jim. But uh, overall, I think all four members of the band do something special on this track. And it's a cool ending for the band. Good ending for the band. Good ending for the album. Riders on the storm. The Cowboys of Moo. Mesa. All right. Um, Riders on the Storm. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's one for the record books. Uh, Eric. Yeah. What do you got? Yeah. Riders on the Storm. Listen, this song is, this song is very cool. It, uh, Steve's right. It doesn't need the sound effects, but I like the sound effects. The song itself never leaves this kind of comfort zone of like a quiet groove like you're huddled around a campfire or your fireplace there's a storm going on outside and you're hearing this this tale and in one hand it's about somebody leaving la and on the other hand it's about well don't pick up that guy on the side of the road that is leaving la because he might be a serial serial killer in fact he is a serial killer uh um yeah there's Listen, that story does not hold out the whole song because, yes, it's talking about honoring your man uh, into this house we're born, into this world we're thrown. Uh, And then you get there's a killer on the road, his brain squirming like a toad. Uh, For some reason, I I don't enjoy those lyrics or I enjoy them, but I I, they're not great. Um, But it doesn't take away from it for me. He's. he is trying to be a campfire storyteller 
and that's okay. Uh, yes, there is not a weirdly there's not a lot of dynamics to the song. They stay very much in their their window of just kind of like foreboding, driving every now and then, like once again a little Latin drumming, uh, just kind of this 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 very strange atmospheric song. And I think it's effective. I think it's great. Um, uh, at one point, the organ solo does something absolutely stellar, and uh, the bass line changes up uh, in that moment. And that's the first time I've ever, like on this entire record, where I'm like, oh shit, that bass player is great. So that, that, that little moment, that, whatever the bass does during that organ solo is something for the people. It's very good. Um, yeah, it's a it's it's a great closing song. It's not my favorite song on the album, but it is a uh, it, it it creates atmosphere like no other song on here. And that's what I think of when I think of the Doors. Is even go to like break on through the other side. Like they musicians get in a groove, and they will extend that groove longer than most bands are welcome. And it almost creates this kind of like uh, re- repetitive drone in a great way that like Velvet Underground would do and, and other bands would do. And, and doors were fantastic at that. And this, and this does that, but in a very soft, very soft and palatable way. Um, cool closer. Indeed it is. It was the last song that Jim ever recorded with them. Uh, he overdubbed some whispers um, over the lyrics just to give it a little bit more of an echo effect. And according to Ray Manzarek, that was the last thing that he ever recorded in his lifetime to be released at least officially by the doors. Um, and how the origins of the song began is Robbie Krieger, Ray both said that they were inspired by the song. Uh, it's a country song, ghost riders in the sky. And portions of the lyrics were, uh, inspired by the, serial killer Billy Cook and he that Billy Cook had killed six people including a young family while he was hitchhiking to California so it has a little bit of uh, inspiration to reality and some of their inspiration to art as well and I love this song yes it is quite played very often and I couldn't agree more with Stephen Sound of Rain um, is uh, quite evident in the way that Ray is playing that that keyboard. And I do like the fact that it is a very kind of ominous, creepy song. You listen to this song on a dark road, you kind of expect to see some ethereal spirit somewhere in the distance that vanishes as you drive closer to it. Um, it just has that effect on you. And song's great. Top 10 door song, no doubt about it. And it inspired in uh, 2002, Robbie Krieger and Ray Manzarek decide, hey, you know what? We're kind of getting some money out of this. Let's actually reunite. So they reunited as the doors of the 21st century. Um, John Densmore says, hey, how come I wasn't invited? And uh, you can't use that name. And so he took him to court. <laughs> So they changed their name to Riders in the Storm, and they toured under that name without without John. Um, throughout the course of the, the band history, there has definitely been some problems between um, selling licensing rights and this and that between the three of them. 
Ray Manzarek is passed on. Um, Robbie Krieger and John Densmore are still alive, but uh, John Densmore actually did a book signing before I had left um, Dimple called a uh, book that he wrote about the doors called unhinged. And so I got to meet him, got to see Robbie Krieger. So that was fun. Got to see some of my uh, people that really first got me into music. So there you go. So that is LA woman. There are some B sides that you can find on the 40th anniversary. Also on a rarities record called behind closed doors. Um, ones that were kind of recorded around this time frame was Orange County Sweet. Uh, if you listen to that one, it's kind of a song about Pam Corson. Uh, and there's another one called You Need Meat, Don't Go No Further. And uh, Screamin' Ray, as they called him, uh, does vocals on that. It's very bluesy. Um, she Smells So Nice and Rock Me are also on those as well. So, ranking time. Out of, hmm, what what should we call this one here? Out of five king snakes. <laughs> Eric, what are you giving L.A. Woman? I'm giving L.A. Woman uh, 2.75 king snakes. It's a, uh, I think if I was going to be objective, I'd give it a higher score. Um, there's a lot technically very good about this. Um, but what I'm reaching for are those four or five really strong tracks, uh, uh, just slightly over half the album, uh, that I do enjoy. Um, you know, uh, blues rock is not my go-to. I do like what they're doing on this song, uh, on this album, as far as blues rock goes. Uh, but, um, but there are there there are some lulls, uh, and um, and even even the the strong songs aren't going to be my uh, you know necessarily normal uh, normal go tos. Uh, but now that I that I have a few that I really like, when they pop up, it's going to be an absolute pleasure. There, uh, it is pretty stellar for the genre. It just doesn't happen to be my genre, but it, it is pretty stellar for that blues rock. There you go, Stephen. How many king snakes you give an LA woman? Three king snakes. It's, uh, it's not my favorite Doors album, but it's got a good, good um, enough good moments to where it's, uh, it's above average slightly. Um, and some of the the tracks on Riders in the Storm, Love Her Madly, and uh, now uh, Pius in the House are all going to go into my uh, well. Two of those I was already a big fan of, but that uh, Pius in the House is the uh, one that I really buried treasure that has raises the average for the whole album by uh, the changeling as well. So three snakes, three snakes. All right. I am going to give this one a 4.5. I am a big fan of this record. I think that it is one of their best. It is certainly a classic rock record that uh, belongs in the Pantheon. Uh, it seems that critics do consider this to be one of their best, if not their best. Um, I think their first record in Strange Days is also in contention for being their best records. Uh, but I personally like the evolution of Jim Morrison and uh, where he ended up in his Doors career, not so much of that he had passed away at such an early age, 
but uh la woman i love this record pretty 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 well so 4.5 for me it uh sorry mark it does warm my heart that that how much the doors you know mean to you and 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 your lovely wife i i i think that's awesome there's there's something to be said for that um uh and yeah i think it's interesting that this one is it's not surprising that this is the best rated one or one of the best rated ones because like i said it's technically very good and 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 morrison is coming from a kind of a mature standpoint on this on this record too which the oliver stone movie would not show you but i mean didn't you uh send us some stuff that showed that like the band members were all in pretty good places on this record it wasn't even though you know he would die pretty shortly after it wasn't like a, a disaster right not at all. I mean, if anything, they were excited about the next like wave of material. Um, they weren't calling it quits by any means. They f- were hoping that they would continue working as Jim, you know, figured out what he wanted to do on his own over in Paris, and then with hopes that he would come back and they would continue on. Um, I mean, listening to the material off of other voices, it sounds completely different from this. I mean, it sounds completely unfinished. It doesn't sound bluesy at all. Um, so it'd be just kind of interesting to see like if, you know, Jim, if he had heard some of the material that they were working on, if maybe he wouldn't have returned after all. So I don't know. I mean, and Ray Manzarek was the one that really pulled the pin. He wanted to go out and play jazz. And whereas John Densmore and Robbie Krieger were like, let's continue, let's keep going. And, uh, they just, he was like, nope, I'm sick of this. This is done. And so Ray would just went off and did jazz. So there you go. And then, of course, just lived off the royalties of all of the licensing that eventually went into this. I mean, good Lord, um, can, can't swing a dead cat without hitting a door song um, in some of these uh, you know, soundtracks that really exemplify the 60s and early 70s. So, yeah, I mean, I, no offense taken. I mean, I, uh, the doors, I completely understand the perspective of why people think of them as kind of like a phase that you grow out of and I get it but for me this is where I began my musical like love well I my my initial thought of them being like this bridge from like I said it was the only thing on that fucking Forrest Gump soundtrack that sounded anything like the alternative music I was listening to in the 90s I think that's I I still feel that way I feel like uh like there, you could connect what Jim Morrison was doing with his vocals, not his lyrics, but his vocals to like Joy Division and, uh, you know, some some of that like post punk stuff that kind of like uh, uh, nonchalant uh, anti <laughs> anti singer approach. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I really enjoyed this this dive into this album, even if it's not my bag, baby. Um, just because I, I do have an undying respect for the band, uh, even if I can't crack that that three out of five snakes, uh, I did I did appreciate the uh, the assignment. There you go, perfect. As long as it never felt like homework and you had some sort of like appreciation, that's all that matters. Even if it did feel like homework, I want you to be honest. But it is time to let Jim Morrison walk into the desert, into that sunset, and load the diamond dice into the cannon and see where we're going next. All right. 
Let us see. 18. 18. It's a legal number. Oh, geez. <laughs> um, and we are going over to one of Eric's picks. Um, All right. So an album released in 2016 uh, by the band oh. Clipping. The album is called Splendor and Misery. Right on, right on, right on. Should have made the noose a little tighter because it ain't nobody dead. We who are about to bang them drums. Beating on a dead body, riding shotgun. Talking that shit, bitch, bite your tongue. See that ship over your city, better run, run. Your war is like a board game um, where we uh, come uh, from. Uh, I'll be honest, a band I'm not familiar with at all. So this will be kind of going into... Uh, undiscovered country this is one of the newest albums that blew my socks off that was also new to me even just a couple years ago uh yeah and our first dabble into hip-hop so uh well if you don't count that one song on uh that uh frontline assembly uh album uh our first uh uh dabbling into hip-hop so i yeah can't wait to hear what you guys think yeah this will be fun. Yeah, a new genre to explore. That's That'll be great. All right. Well, thank you both for uh, indulging me and listening to some doors for the last two weeks. But it's now time to turn the page and uh, go into Eric's nomination of Clipping, Splendor and Misery. I There is no bridge. There is no transition from the doors to Clipping that can make any sense at all. So... So we won't even try, is what you're saying. Yeah, won't even try. Yeah, yeah. Just rip off the Band-Aid and dive in to a, a concept album. Uh, and yeah, con- it, it, is a, it is a sci-fi concept rap album that's pretty fun. The story of car- Cargo 2331. All right. Uh, that'll be fun to explore, at the very least. All right. As always, this has been Mark. Eric. And the Peace Frog. And we hope that we brought you closer to Pod. Listen, man. Listen, man. I don't know how many of you people believe in astrology. Yeah, that's right. That's right, baby. I I am a Sagittarius. The most philosophical of all the signs. But anyway, I don't believe in it. I think it's a bunch of bullshit myself. But I'll tell you this, man. I tell you this, I don't know what's gonna happen, man, but I wanna have my kicks before the whole shithouse goes up in flames. All right, all right.